Man, it's good to be with you guys again. Good morning. Grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Mark chapter 12. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. And it's so good to be going all in with you. That's what this series is. And that's what we're trying to do as a congregation to move. I believe this from all the, uh, the bottom of my heart that thousands of people taking the same step in the same direction makes an impact in the kingdom of God. And I believe we're going to change uh, McLean County as we love and serve in Jesus' name as never before. Maybe you're not in this county. If you're watching online, maybe for Hersher, it's Love Kankakee County. Or maybe it's just a town. Maybe uh, our, our friends in Shanoa, you're just loving Shanoa. Or Bloomington, our campus over there. God bless you guys and all that you're doing. I believe that whatever country or state or county or city that you live in, that if you love and serve in Jesus' name, he is going to bring people to know him as their Lord and Savior. And that's what this is all about. Every town, every place, everyone. And so God bless you guys. Hey, did you guys give anything away last week? Somebody give, did you give stuff away? That's, uh, that was the sermon. I mean, you ha- it kind of leads, you know, this, this goes in steps here. You got to follow every week, right? So I, I will tell you this, that there was a small group of women who had a garage sale on Saturday and gave their proceeds to the Pregnancy Resource Center. So that's just one example of hope, I, a hope of thousands. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> Clapping in church like we're having fun. Hello to Randy and Barb in Springfield. Good to see you guys. And Trish in Utah and Penny in Missouri. God bless everybody that's watching us online today and a part of this uh, service. Well, as we come to our teaching today, uh, I want to show you guys something really, really cool. One of our longtime members shared this brochure. It was a brochure that was uh, distributed to the people of Eastview 60 years ago. This is the 1963 budget of Eastview Christian Church. You can even see at the time it was called Emerson Street Christian Church. It's there, uh, it's, the building is still there, by the way. It's there on Emerson Street, Bloomington Bible Church. That's the first building that Eastview Christian Church paid for and built. And I just want to go through this budget because it's very important. We're going to have to give really, really hard to meet this budget, guys. All right? Ministers getting paid in cash. Cold cash, $95. That's what you get. And, uh, and he's got a travel allowance as well. So, I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff happening there. Uh, the parsonage heat, it's good for them to heat where the pastor lives. It's nice. The mortgage is $200, $200 a week, and you're paying for a church building. I just love this. Look at this. Church utilities, light, $7, water, 75 cents, telephone, $4. Now, some of you young people in here are going, uh, how many gigs does it have? None. None. There was a day when people just talked on a telephone. And it had a wire that went into the wall. I might as well be talking about covered wagon repairs to you. I get it. I get it. It's a different generation. And, uh, and I love this one. Uh, $1.75, look there for grape juice and tissues. I mean, they're a very weepy church. And also we take communion every Sunday, right? You got to buy that bottle of Welch's for the grape juice. All of this stuff. Look at missions, guys. $46 a week for missions. And that was the outreach of Eastview Christian Church. And this is just a glimpse. When, when Mark Zimmerman, who's our pastor of finance here, when he showed this to our staff in Monday's prayer time, it was truly humbling. All of us were just amazed at this amount. And at the time, this church was 222 people weekly, about half the size of our Bloomington campus right now. This was the church that we call home And this is a glimpse into the foundations of Eastview. It's it's our spiritual ancestry. 60 years ago, we get to see the faith of people. 222 people a week said, we have to give $507 a week 
to make sure that this kingdom expands through the people of Eastview Christian Church. But as you look at these numbers, if you're like me, it's hard not to compare today's numbers to those numbers. I know the economy's changed. I know everything's completely different now. But honestly, we couldn't hire any pastor or staff for $95 a week. We, we, we currently couldn't do all of the mission work we do. Our outreach and missions budget is closer to a million dollars a year than 2300 so we honor our heritage, but we just got to come to this 63 budget of Eastview Christian Church and go, it's not that much. It's not very much money. In fact, it's quite small. In fact, it seems really insignificant. What could such an insignificant amount of money do for the kingdom of God? Well, that was a good setup for Mark chapter 12, because we come to this super insignificant amount of money that's put into the offering in Jesus' day, and it becomes our all-in lesson. So here we go. The word of the Lord today, I hope you have your Bibles. I hope that you come to church every week bringing your Bibles and you're opening them and, and you're reading them during the week, not just during Sunday. But here we go in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. This is the teaching for today. Talking of Jesus. And he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Would you join me and let's ask God to speak to us today. God, would you come now in this place by the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus of whom we've sung this morning. God, all power is yours and all money is yours and all this earth is yours and every human is yours and every place is yours. Confess that. And so would you help us get involved in this allness that you're, that you're already working, that you've worked through your son Jesus? And would you inspire us today? Would you convict us? Would you change us? Would you grow us? And if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, would you, would you let them receive a gift today instead of give one, the gift of Jesus Christ? God, only you can do that in a 35-minute sermon. No way I can, but I trust you will, and I ask that you will. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as promised last week, this is a sermon about giving to the church. And I know from all these years of preaching that this is a fan favorite. You guys probably you, you lost sleep this week anticipating a giving sermon at Eastview Christian Church. You can't wait for me to get personal about your finances and ask you to give more. You're all sitting there saying, let us have it, preacher. We want to be convicted. In fact, you don't even need to preach. Just tell us what to do with these cards. We are gonna give ridiculously in Jesus' name today. I wish that was true, <laughs> but it's not, uh, especially among younger generations and some of us in here who have watched a lot of corruption within the church and a lot of uh, scandal within the church when it comes to money specifically. So let's just get it right out there. These are $40 shoes. Uh, I drive a 2010 Sonata, and I live in a synagogue in Bloomington that costs $115,000. Okay, so I'm not preaching this sermon because I want you to buy me new shoes. This is not pastors and sneakers, all right? If you've ever been on that, uh, that website. 
And it's not, it's not a church trying to do something weird with our finances. There's no funny business going on. I want to give you an assurance here before I get to this great story that I don't want your money so I can get rich and this church doesn't want your money so we can waste it on stuff. We have a yearly outside independent financial audit that takes place all the time every year and we are accredited by the ECFA, the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability. I had to read that because I don't even know what those words mean. But we're clean is what I'm saying. We're good financially and we're accountable to each other and to you as the congregation. But my sincere motivation today is for each of us to grow in the grace of giving, to financially support our church that's dedicated to loving McLean County over the next many years, which brings us back to the story and the small offering of this widow. First, I just want you to see something. I'm not the only one interested in our giving. I just want you to start here. We're gonna start here with this, with this, this lady who put in two mites. Jesus is interested in how we worship through our giving. This is an incredible scene. Jesus has, um, it's Tuesday, it's probably later in the afternoon, getting on towards evening, and Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, and he's found all day long that his father's house is broken. The system of worship that he instituted for his people in the Old Testament is being abused and it's not working and it's just wrong. In fact, on, on Tuesday morning of this same Tuesday, he had flipped tables because they were ripping people off, trying to sell sacrificial animals, and he knew their corruption. And Jesus has spent the whole day speaking against the temple leaders as frauds with wrong theology. They're not pastors and sneakers, they're rabbis in sandals. And he's saying, listen, you guys are liars, you're frauds, you're blind leading the blind, you love wealth, you love praise, you pray long prayers because you like people to be impressed by you. And Jesus is really killing it. And the people love him. And the leaders want to kill him. So I don't know if he's just tired. I don't know if he's just going to another part of worship and he's just going to go to the place where he can find people giving and maybe renew his heart about the people of God. That's the scene where Jesus is in verse 41 and 43 where he comes to watch the offering. They have here the treasury and the, the, the people putting money in the offering box. Actually, there were 12 offering boxes in the first century temple, and they were located in the court of the women. You have to understand this. And in the first century, the temple was segregated by who could worship where. And the outer temple, the outer courtyard was Gentiles only. Non-Jews, you can worship here. If you're a Jewish woman, you can come here. If you're a Jewish man, you can come here. If you're a priest or a Levite, you can come here. And of course, only the high priest could go inside once a year to, to really be in the presence of God. So it's here in this common place where every Jewish person in the world could come that we find these 12 offering boxes. That's historical from a dude named Josephus. And I don't know why Jesus finds a bench. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's just trying to see, is everything in my house broken? Do people give anymore? And he's just watching. He's just noticing people. They were a part of worship. There, there was two things that happened with this offering, and, and hopefully we've tried to recreate that a little bit today in all of our venues here, especially uh, with treasure boxes because this is the kind of box that they were putting their contributions in. In the temple treasury, they would take these boxes, the money that was given, and a part of it was a temple tax. And so they would use it to do stuff in the temple, like our 1963 budget. They would buy oil and wood and incense and fix priest garments and buy new priest garments. But they also used this money to distribute to the poor. 
I don't know what Jesus' followers were doing, but Jesus, God in the flesh, I want you to hear this, was watching the offering. And I think Jesus is still interested with how we worship in our giving. I, I think he's still watching. We'll get to just a moment what he's watching about or what he's watching and looking for, but God has always expected his people to give to him. So let's just pause our story here in Mark chapter 12, uh, watching the offerings in the temple to consider that in the Bible, giving has always been a part of the worship of God by the people of God. Listen, giving has always been a part of worshiping God by the people of God giving. What's the deal with the church and my money? Here's the deal. It's in the Bible. So if we're going to preach the Bible, we're eventually going to come to it, and we're going to have to deal with it. I'm going to give you a quick overview of the giving in the Bible, and maybe you'll learn some surprising lessons as we go along. This is a, a quick scan of all the Bible giving to God. First of all, we have Abraham and Jacob giving a tithe. You see that in Genesis 14, uh, 20, and 28, 22. By the way, go look at these scriptures later. I don't have time to read them all right now. But if you're watching online, get those notes. And, and if you're here live, there's some, there's some actually hard copy notes out there if you want to. Read these scriptures later. I want you to know that this is a part of the giving. Even before, this is what's fascinating about Abraham and Jacob. Before the law of Moses, it was understood that they gave 10% of everything to God. They gave a tithe. Now, so this is not Moses' law. This is not following the rules. This is these guys going, we understand God wants us to live on 90% of what we have. And so they gave 10th away. They gave a tithe. Then in Exodus 25 and 1 Chronicles 29, we have the building of God's house. People took up an offering to build buildings, a super fancy tent called the tabernacle where God lived and a super fancy building called the temple that Solomon built. And they gave tons of gold and tons of earrings, all the valuable things they had, they gave for the building of this house. Now, just an aside, when we come to the New Testament, you say, well, we don't have a temple. We don't have a tabernacle. You're right. The church is called the house of God, the building that God is building. And so I think it's, I think it's relevant, and it's okay to, to give to God to build a building of worship. There's regular worship involved with biblical giving. In Exodus through Deuteronomy, you'll read this over and over again. There are all kinds of rules about you bring the first fruits of your tithe, you bring a tenth of your tithe, you bring a sacrifice, you bring an offering, you bring a tithe. All the time people were giving, there was a regular pattern God wanted to ingrain in us, constantly practicing giving. Uh, some scholars believe that in the Old Testament, if you followed every one of the offerings and tithes and everything, all the sacrifices, that you would give nearly 33% of your entire living to God's temple, to God's house. And that's the way it was, right? So regular worship, in fact, in Malachi chapter 3, uh, God says, y'all are cheating me. Stop cheating. You're not bringing the tithe into the, the, the storehouse. Give me a tenth, and I'll bless your socks off with the other 90%. Double dog dare you. God says. That's the original Hebrew anyway. He meets church need. We give to meet church needs. You know, in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, there were no needy people among them. We're talking about the people of the church. Why? Because from time to time, people would sell what they had. They would bring the proceeds. And I want you to see this. They would lay them at the apostles' feet. There is a leadership authority thing in the church that takes the onus off of us. I'm given to God. Here's my money. Hey, leaders of the church that God's ordained, you guys handle it. You distribute it. And that was what the apostles did. That's what the first church did. There was a collection for poor saints. 
The collection for poor saints was Paul's mission worldwide to collect money for these poor saints in Jerusalem who were experiencing a famine. And in, in fact, I love this one in 1 Corinthians, uh, it should be 16, verses 1 through 3. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1, it actually talks about a Sunday offering. When you come together on the first day of the week, make sure you take up this collection so we can take care of the saints that are in Jerusalem. It's a worldwide thing. Missionary support, why do we support missionaries? Philippians 4, 14 through 17, Paul was a missionary. And the church in Philippi, they took care of his needs. They met his physical needs by sending him money and gifts from afar. And then finally, and my favorite, of course, is it's okay to pay preachers. It's a joke. Uh, it's, it's paying preachers and teachers in the church, 1 Timothy 5, 17. In fact, he, he quotes a, an Old Testament thing. This is, this is why we pay our staff and our, our pastors around here. You should not muzzle the mouth of the ox that's treading out the corn. That's an Old Testament rule, but it's saying, if the people are doing the work, give them their pay. Let them experience some of the joy of that. And so we pay our staff members daily. Listen, I got much more to say, but we don't have time. This could be an entire uh, series, um, but I'm not going to do a series on giving. Uh, I, I will tell you this, by the Holy Spirit's direction, this Friday, the Apologia podcast we've been working on, um, it is about church and money. So if you want to find that uh, anywhere you get podcasts, sounds like a commercial, uh, you can do that uh, this Friday. But I believe that Jesus is watching people put money in the offering box in the temple because he's interested in what they're putting in there and why they're putting it in. Because for him, giving financially is an expression of worship and love. And I believe this, guys. If God is interested in giving to the temple before his death, burial, and resurrection, he's certainly interested in giving to the kingdom of God after he has conquered death on our behalf. Guys, Eastview has a vision to do the work of God that goes beyond anything the temple could ever do. Can I, can I just say that for a moment? The temple and the worship there and the Old Testament law could never do what you and I get to do. We get to offer good news. We get to say you can be forgiven. We get to say you can be second chance. We get to say, hey, no matter who you are, you can belong to the family of God. We get to say there is life in Jesus Christ. There is resurrection in his name. We get to say that there's grace and forgiveness and a place you belong and that you matter. There's hope. But guys, there's so many good things that we get to be a part of that the temple could never declare, no matter how good their worship was. And so I believe that now that we are the church and we've been called to, to have this vision to um, be a fearless church of Christ followers whose ridiculous love and dangerous witness are irresistible, and we're being called to love McLean County in Jesus' name. I believe that it's gonna be, it's gonna be based on the giving of God's people that will accomplish it. I, I just wanna, I, I just, yeah, thank you. Yes, that's a good clap. I'm gonna get an applause sign up here, I think. Right next to the screaming children numbers. <laughs> I just, I just understand this. I've been in ministry long enough to understand if we're truly going to meet the needs of McLean County in Jesus' name, it's gonna mean that we're gonna have to buy or rent or have some more spaces to serve out of. We're gonna have to cover this whole county. We're gonna have to purchase supplies to teach and train and nurture the next generation of people. It's gonna cost money to give things away and to take care of people who need services that can't help themselves and can't do anything to get out of where they're at. Guys, there's such a great opportunity for us to do good work in Jesus' name. And here's the bottom line. It's going to cost something. It just is. And so um, what else would you rather do with your money than give it to a world-changing cause with eternal implications? 
There's a lot of world-changing stuff out there, but only the church of Jesus Christ has eternal implications with all the world change that happens. All of our people, all of our places, all of our resources we've thought about this week, God is calling us to go all in with giving to our church. And Jesus is watching. And here's what's great. I'm just gonna let you off the hook a little bit. You're like, well, how much is it gonna cost? Let's go, tell me the amount. The amount doesn't matter. Here's, here's an amazing thing from this story that really kind of hit me the very first time uh, in all these years as I was studying this week. Jesus is more impressed with the amount we keep than the amount we give. In fact, I could say that Jesus could care less what you give. He doesn't care what that number is. What he's interested in is how much do you have left over after you've given to him. Back to the story, Jesus is sitting there and he's observing a lot of people put their money into the boxes. In verse 41, the last part there, you see many rich people put in large sums. That's not the place where he stopped and said, hey, disciples, come here, I wanna show you something. Now again, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn rich people putting in large sums. I take it that most of these people were very sincerely giving of their income, giving of their means for the cause of God, and they were worshiping God in this moment. But it wasn't the amount that they put in that caused Jesus to call his disciples over. What impressed Jesus was something else. What impressed Jesus was that after the offering, this widow had nothing and we got to pay attention to this teaching moment, guys, whether you want to or not. I know you're just going, please don't convict me. Please don't convict me. Please don't convict me. It's too late. Holy Spirit's already working on us. But Jesus calls his disciples over. What do we call ourselves around here? We are Christ followers. We're disciples. So if Jesus calls his disciples and says, hey, here's a lesson for you guys, then you and I have to listen to this disciple lesson 2,000 years later because it was important enough for Jesus. I don't know what his apostles were doing, by the way, wandering around buying corn dogs because it was Passover feast. I don't know. That's, that's like a combination of state fairs and Passover. I don't know. They, probably not corn dogs because, you know, the whole meat thing. Anyway, but Jesus thinks this is a teachable moment so much so that he uses this powerful word that we just kind of say at the end of prayer sometimes, or we say sometimes at the end of songs. The, the, the Greek word is amen, amen. We translate it most of the time truly because the word literally means firm. You can count on this. This is true. What I'm getting ready to tell you is firm. It's not changing. And Jesus says this, she gave less money, but she gave more than anybody. What an incredible teaching for his apostles. She put in more than anybody who contributed to the offering box because she put in all that she had. She gave out of her poverty and she has nothing else to live on. He was impressed not by how much she gave, but how much she had left over. This is her all-in moment. She put in two coins, all she had to live on. I'm gonna pull out these two coins because these are actual coins from the first century B.C., that are lepton. These are widow's mites. I hope you can't see them because that's the point. They're very, very small. I was gonna try to drop them, but they're, I mean, you can barely hear them as the woman dropped them into the, into the treasure box. They're insignificant copper coins. The, the word lepton literally means small or tiny. Why is this all in so important to Jesus? I think it's what Tyler was talking about in our communion time. It's because Jesus is getting ready to go all in for us. 
I told you earlier that this is a Tuesday in the temple in Jerusalem. It happens to be the Tuesday before the Friday that he's going to die on the cross. In three days, he's going to give it all. And he's reminded of this moment when he sees this woman given everything that she has. You know, God is an all-in God. He's given it all. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, I don't want you to do anything with these cards uh, this morning. I want you to listen to this. If you're watching online, wherever you are, I want you to listen to this. I want for you the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And he is the greatest giver of all time. Jesus is the gift. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. I'm all in for salvation of whoever believes. We have this passage that we think is about marriage, and it is, but it's also about Jesus. Husbands, love your wives, but look at this. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus didn't give us a little bit. He didn't give us a tenth. He didn't give us some. He gave us all when he died for us on the cross. And so Jesus is saying in this woman, he's going, listen, I've died for the people that you're praying for that you have written up front. I've died for the places that you're trying to evangelize and make a difference in. I died so that you could have resources to use the people, to help people around you. And so when this woman comes in and says, literally, I'm going to put in everything I have, Jesus goes, I recognize that because that's the commitment that I'm making. That's why I'm not ashamed today to ask you to make a commitment with this card. I'm gonna ask you at some point to make a commitment today with this card in Jesus' name because he is the one who gave it all for us. He gave it all for the church so that we could give to him. So I just wanna ask you for the last 10 minutes or so here, would you just come with me and think through some things spiritually? And let's consider some all-in lessons from this widow. If you're writing these down, I think they're in your notes, but if not, go ahead and write these. Widow lesson number one is give your gift to God alone. This is 2,000 years ago, and still today, whatever you give, whatever gift you give, whatever money you give to the church, it's about God, it's about nothing else. Don't mistake, even if you write Eastview Christian Church, even if your ETF goes from your bank account to Eastview Christian Church, your giving is not to Eastview Christian Church. Your giving is not for Love McLean County or your favorite mission or your favorite ministry or your favorite pastor. Your giving is not for any of those things. Your giving is for God alone. When you give to the church, it's a gift to God. When this woman went to the temple on that day, she was not noticed by anybody, and she did not expect to be noticed by anybody. You know why she put in those two coins? Because she wanted to worship God. That was her focus. In fact, there's no indication whatsoever that Jesus called the widow to his side and said, hey guys, let me show you this great spiritual woman. She left. She, wasn't, she, was, she didn't know that God saw Jesus in the flesh. God in the flesh saw her. He got, she got no praise that day. Her, it was enough for her to go to the temple, chuck in two worthless coins and go, God, thank you. It was her sincere worship to God. She came as a sign of trusting him to provide for her needs. No one noticed but God. And that's actually the kind of giving that God talks about, Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 in his Sermon on the Mount. He says, we give not to be seen by others, but by our Father who is in heaven, who sees what is given in secret so that we can be rewarded. No matter what you put on this card today, no matter how big the gift, no matter how big of a state, faith step you take, the money you give to Eastview 
is for God. By the way, this is an aside. You notice the woman didn't go in there and say, well, I don't like the way they spend stuff here at the temple. I want them to get new curtains. I want them to buy new priest robes. I want them to do, she has no say in it. When you give to God, you just have this clear conscience that goes, God, this is yours. Now somebody else is entrusted with it. And she comes clean and she says, I just want to give. By the way, the temple was a mess in Jesus' day. He's illustrated this all Tuesday. But still when she comes, gives to a messy temple, imperfect humans running it, Jesus says, oh, that's a good gift because she's giving to God. Lesson number two, give your gift because you want to. I do not want anybody to walk away today going, well, I was guilted into that. I was convicted into that. I was, you know, I was talked into that. By law, this woman was not required to give anything. By the simple law of Moses, nobody expected her to give a thing. She was the poor widow who was going to get the proceeds of the box. She was expected to give. She, she had two coins. She couldn't even, you know, you can't divide those into 10. Nobody would have thought, including God, would have thought any less of her if she came to the temple just to pray, just to worship, and just to see the sacrifices that were being offered. She was exempt from the tax. So whatever commitment you make today, do it because you want to as a willing act of worship. The last thing I want to do today is guilt us into giving more or pressure you into giving more. Because if I, if I guilt you into pressuring more or pressure you into giving more, then I have to keep guilting you and keep pressuring you. One of the things you'll notice, and we joke about this all the time, we don't preach very many sermons on giving around here at Eastview Christian Church. Because when it comes up in the text, like we're going through Mark, here it is. We'll talk about it next time it comes up naturally. But when I do, I want to tell you the truth. And I don't want you to give because you feel guilty. I don't want you to give because you feel pressured into giving. Because I'm not going to talk you into it all the time. I want you to do it because it's fun. I want you to do it because the joy of the Lord. That's how it should feel when you mark these cards today. It should feel like this. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we've talked about this before, but I wanna, if you haven't heard it, I want you to know that word cheerful is the Greek word hilaros. We get the word hilarious from it. Your offering should be hilarious, not like that, but so filled with joy and willful giving and deciding in your heart that you want to give back to a giving God that it brings you joy. That's what we want this for you today, to find joy in giving more. Widow lesson number three is give sacrificially. Obviously, this woman's gift was a sacrifice. How would she eat tomorrow? Is she ever going to get new clothes? She might not even have sandals or they're really worn out. When you give, the best way to give is to think in terms of today, not tomorrow. To think in terms of the day, not 10 years from now. Pastor, I know, but the economy is shot and things are falling apart and my bank account is low and my groceries are up and my gas is up and I don't know about my job. And hey, tell it to the widow. You see what I'm saying? There's a faith that says, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow or 10 years from now or my kid's education. I'm going to worry about today because I trust God with tomorrow. That's the only way you put in two mites. You trust God with tomorrow. And so I'm encouraging all of us to give sacrificially. And I can almost guarantee that nobody came in here today intending to give away everything that they own. But if you did, come see me after church. Love to help you do that. 
probably nobody here is going to give away everything, and I'm not even sure that I'm asking that. I'm not even sure that God's asking that today, but I think he is asking us to start. I think the best faith step you and I can take today, if we can't give all, is to give more. It's just a tiny step. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you all to go all in with this church that you're a part of at Eastview and her vision and the endeavor to love McLean County by giving more than you've ever given before. I'm going to tell you a story. 20 years ago, I sat right there in the front row in this very place when my predecessor, Pastor Gary York, was preaching a sermon on giving. Now, Sarah and I grew up in the church. We've always known that giving, I, I mean, I can't, I can't ever remember going to church without at least some pennies or dimes or quarters or something to put in that little plastic steepled church in Sunday school class. Some of you remember. We gave even when, we, when it was our parents' money. But then as the older we got, we knew that we were supposed to tithe. And so Sarah and I, as long as we've been married, we've tithed. May 10th of 1985, we started giving 10%. And so we did. So 17 years into our marriage, we sat on the front row right here, and Gary York is preaching. And I'm not sure exactly what he said, but I know that 17 years into marriage and tithing all those years, we were pretty sure this sermon wasn't for us. Pastor Gary said something like, we're called to constantly grow in our faith and expressions of it. We grow in our prayer life. We grow in our Bible knowledge. We grow in the way we talk. We grow in our service for other people. And we're called to grow in our giving. And he says this line, some of us have been tithing for years, but never taken a growth step of faith to give more. And suddenly, that sermon became my sermon because he was right. Sarah and I were convicted. We were giving like we were making the God minimum payment. It's like the, it's the rent payment, it's the monthly payment, it's the car payment, it's the electricity. We're just making a minimum payment just so God will bless us instead of actually worshiping through our giving. So we took measures that day to start giving systematically, uh, increasing our giving systematically to the church. We've done it in two ways. We've done it intentionally. We've increased our giving. If we get a raise or a bonus or any extra money, we always give more. We just take that as a sign from God. I, I've given you more. Now I want you to give more. So we do that intentionally. We also do it organically. Just every once in a while, we'll look at each other and say, I think we're going to increase $5 a, a paycheck or $25 a paycheck or $50 a paycheck. And we just do it. And I can just tell you, and this is, this is just to show you that I'm trying to practice what I preach. Now, after all these years, Sarah and I give about 20% of our income to God and to this church. But we're not done. So we're going to participate with you today in this decision because we want to keep giving more and more until we've given all. That's the goal. That I can walk away some Sunday, or I can get to eternity and say, I gave as much as I could. And the only thing I know to do is take a small step in that direction to all. So today I'm going to challenge us all to go all in, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And this is for everyone. If you're online, any of our locations, of course here, go ahead and shut your Bibles and, and grab these cards. Hopefully you have something to write with or someone close to you that you can borrow a pen. Before we do this, I want to pray for us though. Let's ask God to move in us right now. God, by your Holy Spirit, not by guilt, not by 
some words that made us feel bad about ourselves, but by your Holy Spirit, would you convict us now to decide what you want us to give, how you want us to be more like this woman who went all in. God, I pray that you would um, do a, a miraculous work in us now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So wherever you're at, if you're watching online, if you're in Hersher, if you're in Shanoa, you're here with us, can we just walk through these, these steps that are here on the card? And I want you to prayerfully consider them. We're just trying to become like the poor widow. And, and maybe your decision today is I will begin systematically and re regularly giving. You've never done that before. It's just kind of here and there. Every once in a while, I got some money and I throw it in. Or there's offering boxes in the back, obviously. And I just drop some money in there every once in a while. Or if I'm feeling good about my finances, I give. It's kind of a, an opportunity based on how you feel. I'm asking you today to go all in by giving systematically and regularly that every paycheck or every week or every other week, you're saying this is the amount I'm gonna give to God. Some of you have been with us online for two and a half years since COVID started, and you've just never taken a step to give systematically over and over and over again like those people did from 1963 that bring us to this day. So begin systematically and regular giving. Some of you just need to begin tithing. You've heard about it, you've thought about it, You've, you've heard the Bible teaching on it, but you've just not taken, you're so scared that if I give 10%, I'm not gonna have enough. I just wanna encourage you today. Take that step. I promise you, you won't regret it. Maybe some of you need to say, I already give, I already tithe perhaps. I already maybe give a lot. Today, I'm gonna increase my regular giving. Maybe it's $5, maybe it's $10, maybe it's 50. I don't, the, the amount doesn't matter, remember? Would you join me in increasing you're giving. That's one box that Sarah and I checked today. And um, then maybe you want to give a one-time gift. Sarah and I had some money given to us recently, and we gave a one-time gift because God gave a great gift to us. And so we said, here it is. Maybe that's your decision. Maybe you just like to talk to a pastor about your giving, and that's cool too because we have great financial people here, our pastoral staff that do all our finances, and they'd, be lo they'd love to talk to you about your giving. Guys, it's time for us to do something. It's time for us to walk to the treasury boxes like that lady did 2,000 years ago. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a chance to participate. If you would all stand up, please. If you're online, would you just contact your host and say, I'm interested. Here's my decision. You can fill that out online. There's a form there. And we're going to sing. We're going to worship God. And uh, we're going to celebrate his great giving in our lives. And as we sing, I'm just going to ask you to come forward and place your gifts in the boxes. There are three to each side of me up front. There, there are two up in the balcony. Guys, whatever God's doing in your life today, let's just take a step forward as a congregation. Let's say we want to we move closer to all in because I know that God's going to use these funds to change the world. And I want to be a part of that. So I'll stop talking and let the Holy Spirit move us as we sing. Come forward as you make your decision.